the shiny happy cult mom live stream uh i am here with christine fower author of the book behind the dress as well as a former cult member in the shiny happy people cult also here with my good friend and former cult member bryce we're going to be uh answering some questions tonight uh just about what life was like in the shiny happy people cult and especially questions about christine's experience as a parent in the cult and with that let me welcome christine and bryce to the live stream how we doing y'all doing all right Doing good. Hey, Great. Christine, welcome back. All the way from Thank Newfoundland, you. Canada. Yeah, of course. Yay. It was such a fun <laughs> episode to do with you, Christine. I learned so much uh, talking to you last week. Um, things that I, I never really knew about what it was like to be a parent in the shiny, happy people cult in IBLP, and especially what it was like to be a mom in that cult. I, I mean, Bryce and I knew, and, and we've talked with other people about it, that, that there's this, this devaluation uh, and almost dehumanization of women and mothers in the cult. Uh, but hearing your story, uh, it just, uh, it just it shocked me. And I think it shocked a lot of people uh, that watched the episode as well. I mean, we were seeing these comments come through, just hearing from people that, you know, uh, were... As, as shocked as Bryce and I were about some of the experiences that you had, especially, you know, the family coordinator piece. I had a few people reach out to me about, uh, you know, how you had family coordinators coming to your house, staying at your house for, you know, extended periods of time. Uh, I, I don't remember my family ever experiencing that. Bryce, I don't think you ever had that either, right? Nope. I don't even remember their names. I, I don't know if I ever met them. Yeah, it's just just crazy stuff that um, we had no idea about the whole application process to get into IBLP and ATI. I mean, that was that was a new one for me, too. Um, and then those monthly reports that y'all were having to do just uh, just really, uh, really interesting, really surprising and and obviously heartbreaking as well. Uh, you know, Christine, what what you went through and and what I'm sure so many other women and moms in the shiny, happy people cult went through. Um, but, uh, I, I think, you know, what, one of the things that, that we talked about, uh, offline, Christine, was that it's so important to share this message with other people, uh, who maybe haven't had these realizations yet, where they're still stuck in some of these old mentalities and might be looking for a way out. Cause, cause I know that the, the story that you shared, we saw so many comments. I, I think Bryce has one of those comments. So we saw so many comments, uh, just talking about how this helped people kind of process the trauma that they had been through. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, um, I, no, no, I was ahead. quite happy to, to talk about all that for that reason, because there were only two reasons I wrote my book. One was to get it out of my system. And two was, I, I was just hoping it could help some people. And so if writing my book has brought me here and being here has helped some people uh, come to certain realizations, then I'm, I'm good. I, I feel great about that. That's that's fantastic. And I think it's it's absolutely done that for people. Yeah. Uh, Christine, we've gotten so much good feedback on the book as well. Um, you know, I know a, a bunch of folks that, that watched your podcast episode promptly went and, and bought your book from Amazon. Yeah. Once again, it's called Behind the Dress. It is available on Amazon and it is an incredibly 
interesting read from what I've heard. I, I have not read the entire thing yet. I've, I've read portions of it. I haven't read the whole thing, but, but plan on doing that uh, as well. Um, and for those of y'all that are, that are live with us right now, we're going to be answering your questions tonight. Uh, so if you'd like to submit a question for myself, for Bryce, for Christine, uh, just go ahead and, uh, and send that to us in the live chat. Uh, and we will absolutely be getting to those questions. Also, if, uh, if you want to send a super chat uh, and support us that way, that would be fantastic as well. Obviously not required, uh, but if you are so inclined, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, but I know, Bryce, I you've... Um, go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Bryce. So I, I, I saved a comment that I didn't uh, discuss with you guys earlier because I wanted to read it. I might, since you brought the book, I'll read it right now. Okay. Uh, so I got this comment. It's out of one of my private Facebook groups. Um, they won't mind. So it's the comment is no way I read her book earlier this year and felt a part of my child self heal as she shared her grief and apologies to her children for the ATI IBLP days. Mm. She is a brave warrior for sharing her story before so many were and rare being an ex ATI mom. I can't wait to listen to this. And that is from our very own Lindsay. Oh, awesome. That's so She's cool. Such a sweetheart. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I literally really saw great. that like 40 minutes ago. I was like, oh, I'm just going to snag this. That's that's so cool to hear. Uh, and, and I mean, I, yeah. I feel like that's been the sentiment from a lot of people, Christine, um, is, you know, kind of especially for, for a person like me. Right. Where I I, I knew that my my mom suffered in, in this cult. Yeah. But but at the same time, I always saw her as the advocate for the cult as well. So a lot of times I didn't stop to think about what she was going through or what she was feeling. Right. Um, you know, and, and as, as we've said, it's, it's not to justify, um, you know, being a part of this cult or decisions that were made, you know, while we were in the cult, but it, it certainly, certainly gives some context, adds some clarification and, and maybe, you know, provides a, a, a road to, uh, to forgiveness and, and repairing relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the thing is, too, is, you know, like even though parents might have looked like looked like they were being advocates for the cult and all that um, for myself, I was just doing what I was told. Mm. You know, we go to Knoxville to the seminar, we get all these directives and, and whatever, and we just did what we were told. And yep. whether that was disciplining the children or, you know, uh, using these wisdom booklets or whatever, we were just doing what we were told. And that was whether we liked it or not. You right. know, like some people loved it, I guess. But, you know. Well, you were sharing a story with hard. me about about music. And and if you could share that with, with the folks in the live stream, because I, I think it's a microcosm of the larger problem within the yeah. cult, right? About just having to, to follow these arbitrary rules, especially if, if that rule was coming from your authority figure or, or your husband, right? Can, can you yeah. share that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, as, as people in the cult knew, we were not allowed to listen to anything with a rock beat and basically anything that would incite uh, loss of control or make you tap your toes. Well, I'm from Newfoundland, and in Newfoundland, we have lots of jigs and reels and rollicking type of music. And when we got into ATI, we purged the house of all our rock music and that type of thing. But I kept my Newfoundland music because that's part of me. It's part of who I am and where my, my heritage and where I come from. 
And my husband's clinic was in the, the basement of the house, so he could pop upstairs at any time. And I do remember one time I, um, I was just having some fun with my kids. And, you know, my, one of my kids then, uh, he was two or three years old. And I took him up in my arms and I put on this Newfoundland music and we started twirling and dancing around the kitchen and we were laughing our heads off and shrieking. And we were just having such a wonderful time. And my husband came up the stairs and he says, turn off that music. He says, that's not godly music. And I turned it off and the house went quiet again. And I just went back to whatever I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, I, I've never forgotten that because it, it really bothered me. That was my heritage. That was who I am and where I came from. And I thought, surely God would not want me to give up where I came from in favor of following Bill Gothard. So mm. it was hard. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting to me because anyone that grew up in the cult, like you, like you said, they, they know we were not supposed to listen to rock music. Right. That, yeah. I mean, that was that was an absolute hard no. Right. Yeah. And yeah. really, the only approved types of music were hymns, mm -hmm. some gospel music, as long as it wasn't, you know, too, uh, too rock and rolly. Right. Yeah. Um, and then any any music that the the training centers produced. Right. And, and Bryce has all kinds of experience with that, um, you know, being in the, the choir. Uh, almost but, any music produced uh, pre 1800s. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. That That's a great way to say it, because I mean, anything yeah. by Bach or Mozart or Beethoven, well, Beethoven, maybe that, that might have been a little too modern even. Yeah. Uh, but the classical composers, the, that, that was always OK to listen to. And as a matter of fact, it could uh, it could really um, enhance your attitude um, and your spiritual well-being by, by listening uh, to that type of music. But, um, you know, that, like I said, was just a microcosm. That story that Christine told is, is, a, is an indicator to me of just how controlling and manipulative this cult could be. Because here you are just listening to innocent jig music. Uh, and because your husband arbitrarily decided, you know what? No, that, that, that qualifies as rock music. It's done. We're, we're shutting it down. Right. Yeah. And you just had to, you just had to listen and obey. Right. Um, and, and it's just, uh, it's just, I, I know how discouraging it must've been for you in that moment. Oh, it was uh, like he burst my balloon. Right. It was, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And you know, I just, oh, well, but imagine that compounded infinitely. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, where it wasn't just about the music, it was about the way you dressed, about where you were allowed to go, about who you were allowed to talk to, about what you were allowed to talk about. Uh, I mean, it wasn't just the music, it was <laughs> your entire life that was controlled yeah. in this well, cult. Step one, yeah. step one of cults, Christian cults specifically, I'm sure most of them is, uh, uh, all right, first, ladies, sit down, shut up, do what you're told. That's just like step number one. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what should we do? It's like, oh, no, we'll tell you what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much. That, that's exactly right. Uh, well, I wanted to know, thank Cass real quick. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I wanted to thank Cass uh, for these, uh, these really kind words. Davey and Bryce, I love your conversation on the podcast. You're both great at speaking to all these issues. Keep doing what you do. Thank you so much for that support, Cass. 
Um, I, I can tell you, and, and I'll let Bryce speak to this as well, but um, you, you know, the feedback and encouragement and positivity and love that I have felt personally throughout this entire process since we started, I don't know, Bryce, when did we do the first episode? Like two months ago, June. three months ago? Sometime in June, June sometime in June. Um, you know, it's been, it's been inspirational. Um, and what's been even cooler for me, um, is, is hearing all the people just like have responded to, to Christine's book where it helped them disentangle and deprogram, um, in unique ways, you know, getting those, those emails, uh, those comments, uh, on, on the episodes, uh, have just been so inspiring for me hearing, hearing about how, you know, hearing <laughs> me and Bryce just talk about our lives. Um, has helped people in profound ways. Uh, so it's just so cool. And, and thank you. Thank you once once again, Cass. Bryce, I didn't know if you wanted to add anything to that. No, it's it's been uh, it's been a journey. It's been ex an experience. And I, I do appreciate that as well. I never imagined I would be on a podcast, uh, and especially not one of my best friends. And we we have it's it's just a, a weird thing it's like oh we have a relatable experience that's completely different from each other and it has been very healing and therapeutic honestly because i don't think i cried about any of this until the docuseries and the podcast and it like just it hit home i had some other personal things that went through but it really just kind of very very therapeutic that's mm -hmm. what I can say for sure. Thank you. Yeah. So back to you, uh, Christine. Let's um, let's talk a little bit uh, a little bit more about about your experience. So what, one of the one of the questions that that I received privately was was just you know about how your your kids adjusted you, you know once once y'all separated from the IBLP cult um, and and how they how their lives you, you know, potentially might have changed. I I really don't know. I know how how it was for me uh, getting out of that high control, high demand organization that Bill Gothard ran. But uh, I was just just curious for, for some of our uh, our viewers what what that was like for your family to kind of disentangle from from IBLP. It was quite tough. I mean, like uh, I think I had mentioned during the other podcast that um, at, at the time of my marriage breakup and getting out of ATI, my oldest son was in university, um, so he wasn't at home anymore, but like his mentality was still very much ATI, you know, the courtship, the whole thing. And he went through three years of counseling. And, you know, there were, I guess, things that he, he just, he was, he, he weirded himself out really. And three years of counseling, did it do any good? I don't know. But, you know, like now, all these years later, I think he's finally coming to a, his own, you know. But the early years were so difficult for him. And then my middle son, um, he just, he didn't tell me. My boys have always been really respectful to me and really kind. But um, my middle son, once he moved out of the house and when he decided to go, I mean, he was of age. So I said, yeah, you know, just do your thing. Um, you know, I guess he went crazy for a little while, 
you know, and, and you can read into crazy anything you want. So I'm, I'm not going to elaborate. But my youngest, he, um, he was the one who had spent the least amount of time actually in the cult because he was nine when, uh, when we got out and I put him in school. But I kept going to church because that was my community that was that was my social life if you will because outside of church i didn't have anybody because we had been homeschooling and all that type of thing too right and um no home churching sorry and so you know he never wanted to come to church and he'd always come kicking and screaming and all that and uh i used to tell him okay here's the thing i'll give you five dollars if you come to church with me (laughs) and behave yourself and I'll give you another $5 if you do your chores without complaining. So he said, okay. So he came to church with me every week. And one, one time we were driving back from visiting a friend in another town and just him and I. And anyway, we were talking about church and God and all this. And he says, mom, I'm an atheist. I said, well, he said, yeah, I'm an atheist. He said, I don't believe in God. And I mean, like, he wasn't very old, like he was Hmm. 10, maybe 11 at the time. And I said, but why are you an atheist? Well, he said, it's like this. You know, all the time we used to sit there and we pray all the time. We'd ask God for all these things and, you know, to give us a better life and to do this and to do that. And he said, none of it happened. So I don't believe there's a God. And so he says, I'm an Hmm. atheist. And I said, hmm, I can't argue with that. So I said, but you're not getting your $5 anymore. (laughs) If you want the five bucks, you got to go to bribery, bribery at its finest. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you know, like put the five bucks in the plate. I'm like, ah. (laughs) My mom was in the choir and she made us sit on the second row. And if we were not paying attention, we would look up and she would just be. And she would have signals like we're getting it. We'll get home. We're getting it. She's like <laughs> about, to know, get, both, about to get that paddle. They were both in the choir, you know, so we're sitting out by ourselves. But, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of good naps. <laughs> oh, there you go. Actually, actually, speaking of the uh, of the paddle, Bryce, I think that there was a, uh, a comment from uh, from YouTube uh, on, on the episode that uh, that you'd kind of singled out to to talk about right yeah we got a couple of comments here um as is as is the uh, norm there's always going to be some different opinions of course so sure we did have somebody post um how do you not know showing an abuse victim a paddle is like bringing back a nightmare oh i'm sorry it's not funny uh this is of course referencing when you found the paddle after you had moved and, and your kid was like, that's not funny, mom. And, um, you know, I, I, I see that comment and I'm like, well, you didn't look at your kid as an abuse victim at the time. Right. You know, yeah. that's, that it's this, that's not what you, if you were, if you had thought of your child as an abuse victim from mm-hmm. these treatments, it, when you came across that paddle, you would have hidden it away or it would never have come to see the light of day. But thankfully, there is a, another comment uh, says, I really appreciate appreciate the way she handled the situation with the paddle. It makes such a difference to pause and realize the impact those ideas and systems have on kids. 
She -hmm. could have gaslighted and said, oh, it wasn't that bad, but she didn't. She paused and owned it and apologized. I wish my parents could have that reaction when I tell them of harmful things done when we were kids due to religion. It's so important. Mm -hmm. People need to understand. It's It's just not acceptable in society to make a mistake, own it apologize sincerely yeah. and, and try to move forward. It's like, no, no, you made a mistake. That's it. Done. Yeah. It's like Bang. people are human. Yeah. That's the people thing. And, and I think that's the, the important, the important point. Right. And, and we were talking about it earlier, Christine, how, you know, you were told don't listen to that, that music and you, you, you listen and obey. Right. Well, it was the same thing with, with, with punishments in the cult. Yeah. Right. Michael and Debbie Pearl were the authority on punishing your children right now absolutely looking back we can definitely see this was plain and simple abuse and and, and we talked about it in the episode right but while we were still in the cult everything was so controlled the narrative was so specific and controlled that these punishments that were being doled out to children that was considered the biblical approach you were doing god's will because this is what your authority told you to do this is how they told you to punish your children so to assume that you wouldn't get it is is in my opinion asinine but i also know how how people have experienced this kind of trauma um, and 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 it still sits with them and it's tough but i I think you know my uh, one of my sons still talks to me about you know the the punishments that 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 he received and you know we talked about it after the the podcast last week and he said mom he said sometimes when i was really young he said i didn't even know why i was being punished mm-hmm. he said i didn't get it i didn't understand and i said yeah well i didn't know why i was punishing you either mm-hmm. you know like it it was it was awful. And that incident um, with the paddle, you know, when I burnt it, um, that happened about a year before I found out that ATI was a cult. Mm-hmm. And when I got into the um, parent recovery group mm. and we started discussing all these things, the beatings, the paddle, you know, or the, the rod, whatever. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, you know, like, my my youngest son was right. He was absolutely right. This was the most brutal, horrible, hateful thing to do. And you know, you know what kills me more than anything? I went on Amazon yesterday and I looked up to train up a child. And do you know it's still on there for sale? All oh, I'm their sure. books are still for sale. And there's all these glowing um, uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking. And in among the glowing reviews, there's a lot of real bad criticisms and admonishments to Amazon for why are you still selling this, these child abuse books and and that type of thing. I was shocked because I'd never looked up their stuff like in the last 20 years. And all of a sudden there they are. And yeah. So, yeah, my kids, we we talk about the rod and, and, and the punishments, you know, like we all talk about it. And, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, like it was. At least when we got it from you, it wasn't so bad. But when we got it from dad, it was brutal. And and here's, I think, once again, the important important point to make. Those books are still available 
on Amazon. Um, yeah. Those ideas, th yeah. those, you know, yeah. that way of life is still out there. And it's yeah. important to speak up about it. And it's important to acknowledge, yes, I, I used to subscribe uh, to this, I, I don't know, this uh, false narrative of, of how to punish children, but I don't yeah. anymore. And I've recognized yeah. that it was wrong. And I have since made made those wrongs right with my children. And I, and I think that's that's the most important point here. Oh, yeah. And by talking Absolutely. about it, you shed light on it. And you hope that there's people that that hear those stories, that that hear your experience, uh, that have a change of heart potentially. I, I would hope, so, I, yeah. Before we get too far down the road, because there's a couple of things I've got to say. Number one, I wonder what has had a a worse impact on Christian families, Bill Gothard or the Pearls? Because I believe the Pearls were around and more popular before Bill Gothard really took off, and as we can see that's still out there and it's still popular. So it just kind of popped in my head. I was like, I wonder which one of these has caused more yeah. damage. But I was watching the comments and somebody said one of the worst phrases that I hate. I just hate this. They say, spare the rod, spoil the child. I was like, if I have to hear that one more time, I'm going to go screaming into the night. I cannot <laughs> stand that. So my, uh, yeah. my mother had a three foot long dowel rod. And it was kept on the uh, the bookshelf in the dining room where we did our schooling. And on our lunch break, a lot of times we would go read our books and stuff. And we're kids. She'd be like, all right, lunch is over. We'd be like, oh, we're in the middle of the chapter. And she'd be like, all right, two more minutes. And if she had to say like two more minutes more than once, we would hear like a samurai sword coming out of a sheath. We would just hear wood <laughs> scraping wood. <laughs> and now... Now it's too late. Once it has been drawn, mm -hmm. there will yeah. be blood. No, there's never blood. But there, <laughs> and the way that our house was set up, it was like there was a circle. So like you could exit over here and go through the kitchen, around the dining room, come back to the hallway, back to the living room. So we, right. she'd always come through one entrance. We always left the other. All right. <laughs> I always went the other way. We're like, we're come. But it was too late. It's too late. Now that would just be like a gentle like whack. Go sit down. Yeah. And by the way, if you dodged and she she hit her table her her the dining room table no bad <laughs> that was very, cause very for bad. additional now, <laughs> now we're now we're doubling down but my, she rarely ever said the words wait till your father gets home mm -hmm. she just took care of it and then if there was additional needed then we got that from dad as well but i have very few memories of my father ever ever beating us or i don't want to use the word spanking us we were never beaten to that extent that i would that i could recall mm -hmm. yeah uh, but definitely spanked well and and i think that's a, another important thing to bryson and we've talked about this over and over how different everyone's experience in this cult yeah. was right because every father was a cult leader uh within the iblp organization right and so you had some families where the father was an absolute monster um you, you know bryce your dad is is a really nice guy uh you know once again i think probably your parents and my parents to a degree are a little misguided um still uh but they're good people generally yeah. speaking but right one of the early comments was you know were there any strong women in, in iblp it's like my this was my mother's thing yeah. she was 100 percent 
my my dad came in and agreed and checked the boxes um but all these stories of their parent their dad like just lording over you know the the duggar uh i can't remember his name now it's fine jim bob (laughs) yeah jim bob you Mm -hmm. know like oh he's the you know my dad was there he was a blue collar worker my mom was like your father gets home there will be a hot meal that is what is what what is right and what we should do and but this was her thing he he went to work came home he was a deacon we went all with the church we did all the church things yeah. as i said before i got to experience bullying at church because <laughs> hmm. i was in high school but yeah. you know it was so weird it was it's to hear all these other versions of how things yeah. went down and and so you had some families where it was it was uh similar to to, to bryce's experience probably um you, you probably had a lot of families like mine where i mean my parents were i mean they were pretty much equal forces um in in my family right i think my mom was she was more of the proponent for the cult um i think my dad probably wanted to get out earlier but my mom wanted to stay in right but both of my parents were were good people i i don't consider my parents at least not physically abusive right i i i really don't um i don't have any recollection where it was just outright physical abuse. But there are absolutely families that I was familiar with or friends with uh, where there was extreme abuse happening um, uh, of all types and varieties. I I don't want to, obviously, I don't don't want to say some of those words um, on YouTube uh, because it can be problematic. But yeah, Yeah. if you go to recoveringgrace.org, my God, some yeah. of those stories, the abuse that was happening within these families uh, that called themselves yeah. devout Christians, um, the chosen people. I mean, yeah, it, it is horrifying. Absolutely is. horrifying. And, and you know, uh, um, I spoke the other the other day about um, the young lady that we had come stay at our house for um, several weeks and you know, and we kept asking her, well, how do you do this in your house? And how do you do that? And that's when we found out that um, her 16-year-old brother was still getting the rod. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was horrified. I thought, you know, well, like the rod is for little kids, you know, or maybe up to 10, 11 years old. But 16 years old, like this is a man. Mm-hmm. And receiving... I... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead and finish. I, I have something to add about this cut. Okay, go ahead. No, I just I was just going to say well, receiving the rod. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded me. I actually remember the last spanking I got. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't remember how old I was. I'm going to say probably somewhere around 11 or 12. And I remember it because, and I'm not, I mean, I'm definitely snarky now. It had to have been 11 or 12 when, when my hormones were kicking in and the snark factor went through the roof. But, like, it, I, I, I don't think I said the words, but I vaguely remember, like, standing up and looking at my mom like, we good? Done? Yeah. That it? You know, like, uh-huh. she realized, oh, this is anymore. Right. <laughs> he, he didn't, this, I don't think this hurt. And I think that my mother was like, I'm not going to see if I can make it hurt, you know, he, see, I'm a big guy. I, I had a growth spurt. I was getting big. And yeah. I think that she realized that if I was going to actually 
feel it that she was going to have to really lean into it mm-hmm. and that was a limit that she wasn't going to go through yeah. I, I also have a thing yeah. everywhere i stuck my hand out once and broke the ruler but <laughs> <laughs> very bruce lee i was very very proud of that moment yeah you, you know there there was um there there, there was another comment on on youtube that, that i also wanted to address Bryce, uh, and, and you might be able to find it and, and read this verbatim because I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Uh, but basically the, the the comment, the gist of it was these people were not following the, the teachings of Christ. Uh, they were not true Christians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Bryce, if you can find that to, to read it, it's it's one of the most recent ones. Um, and, uh, and I it, wanted it actually the, it hiccuped on me. I didn't hear your question about Oh, I'm sorry. It was uh, it, it was uh, a comment that the gist of it was these people weren't true Christians. They weren't following the teachings of Christ. This is not this is not uh, re- real scripture. Right. I, think I remember um, that. And I, I just want to address that really quick, because I, I think this is another important aspect of of how we grew up and, and the environment that Christine grew up in. The Bible is a very interpretive document. Mm-hmm. Um, and. While someone on the outside, objectively speaking, might look at what we were doing in the cult and say, wow, that's not, that's not Christian at all. Well, based on our interpretation, it was. Yeah. Um, And I I think that's a larger problem, Christine. I I think that's a much bigger problem because you've got so many different groups of people that have interpreted the Bible the way they want to. Yep. And are now calling that the absolute truth uh and um you know leading leading people into these once again high demand high demand high control organizations uh well i think that you know some people feel that in these high demand high control situations they're safe there they have a framework in which to work. If I do this, this, and this, and I stay in this box and, you know, I reverence my husband and I spank my kids and I teach them in the way they should go and all that type of thing, then I'll be blessed and my children will be blessed. And, you know, and, and, and they believe that. And, you know, we used to go to the seminars and we would see all the results of that on the mm-hmm. stage, but you wouldn't see what went on in people's houses. Right. And, you know, we we believed all that. And I think that's probably a reason why nowadays so many people that have been in those rigid situations have left organized religion altogether. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Because, Christine, you and I kind of have the same experience where we might go to church yeah. on occasion. Right. Yep. Um, and I still consider myself a Christian, but I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's, I think it's because everyone there, well, not everyone, there are a lot of people that think they have an absolute monopoly on the truth when it comes to the teachings of Christ as outlined in the Bible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I I wanted to address that really quickly too. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, um, you know, like it seems every religion has their own version, right? Mm Mm-hmm of the Bible or whatever. And um, when, when I look at the Catholic church, I mean, they, they teach that they're the one, one true church. I know because I was in it for 30 years Mm -hmm. and, but they have their, they have a Bible that they don't read 
Yeah. But there's all these other books by women that are in that Bible, and they're beautiful books if you ever care to read them. Read them. Um, but they're not included in the Protestant Bible, which I find kind of strange. So what is truth? You know, like the Catholics, they get to heaven by works. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the born-agains get to heaven by believing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but, you know, it was often when, when we were in the cult, I often felt like a Catholic again because we always had to follow these rules and these regulations. Mm -hmm which is really strange because we're supposed to be free in Christ. Well, that didn't feel like freedom to me at all. Boy, what and, a great observation. Yeah. Yeah. And some of uh, my very close friends who live in uh, Montreal, they come visit all the time. They are the model Christians that I wish we could have been like because they, you know, they take a glass of wine. They encourage their kids to, uh, uh, if you really want to get to know your, your, your girlfriend or your fiance or whatever, go camping. And I mean, that's not something, you know, before you're married, go camping. And, you know, like I thought, whoa, that's really different. But these people, they were leaders in the church. They, and, and even like, just, they had the heart of Christians. They had the heart of God in them. Like, I remember when the, my moving day out of my marriage house into um, a, a little house that I had bought. And there were like, I don't know, 15, 20 people there who were, you know, from, from the church that we used to go to. And they were all there um, arranging the truck and moving everything out and all that type of thing. And at one point, uh, well, there were two fridges in the house, one upstairs and one downstairs. And so I was taking the fridge that was upstairs with me and my ex wanted the ones that was downstairs. But he asked me, he says, do you think you could ask the guys who are doing the move um, if they could uh, bring that fridge upstairs? I mean, you know how heavy a fridge is. That was mm -hmm. that was a, a pretty tall order. And so anyway, I went to them and I said, this is a request from my ex. And I said, you do with it what you want. He'd like for you to bring the fridge upstairs. And I, I left because I was very emotional and all that. And so anyway, but this people told me afterwards, you know, everybody said, well, we're not bringing that fridge upstairs. You know, like he can just, you know, use it downstairs or find, find some of his own cronies to bring it up. Right. And there was this one guy from this couple that I'm talking about. And he said, you know, he said, I'm going to bring the fridge upstairs. And he said, I don't care if I have to do it alone, but I'm going to bring the fridge upstairs because it's the right thing to do. We're not here to, you know, get put one over on anybody or anything like that. And the others, you know, begrudgingly, they said, yeah, well, okay, we don't want you to break your back type of thing. So they all brought the fridge upstairs and my ex was happy. And I think you know, like I, I was really proud of my friend for doing that. That's that's a heart of God. You mm. know, the others were busy judging my ex. No, oh, that dirty, rotten stinker. I'm not bringing his fridge upstairs. He can rot in hell for all I like, you know what I mean? Right. But but that's that's what Christianity is supposed to be all about. But that's not what we learned mm -hmm. in the cult. And, and, you know, I don't think we learned what being a Christian was about at all. 
when we mm. were in it. I, I once told my mother, um, I said, Mom, either every time you say judge not, at least they be judged, I feel like it's right before or after you have judged somebody. I can't stand that phrase either. Yep. Judge not, at least you be judged. It's like, that's all I saw. That's mm -hmm. all. Like, we're not hanging out with these relatives because they're doing this thing and we don't yep. agree with it. We're not going to go with these people and go be friends with them because they're doing this thing. And it's not against, it's against our beliefs of what we interpret. It's like, what are we doing but judging? It's like, right. I'm sorry, are we reading the same New Testament and Jesus go and seek out the Well, it's only the appropriate to judge. <laughs> it's only appropriate to judge uh, when other people's behavior does not align with your absolutely true beliefs. That's the only yeah. time it's, it's okay to judge, right? Yeah. Um, there is a, a very um, exciting conversation happening in the live chat right now about, uh, let's call it corporal punishment, right? I think that's the easiest way to refer to it. Um, Jimmy kind of kicked it off here, uh, where he said he was glad that his, his dad gave him and his brother corporal punishment. Uh, no early release either. Hilarious. Uh, he thinks he would have been a cruddy teen or adult if not for those rules. Um, and I think that's a very, I think that's a common sentiment um, yeah. that there's a lot of people that, that didn't have an issue with, with being punished in that way uh, when they were children and, and punish their own children that way, as long as it's not overdone or extreme um, yeah. there, there's no issues. But at the same time, there are, there are other folks and, and I'm going to highlight this, this comment. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, bio, let's just call Bella it B, domain. BM. Bella let's domain. call it Bella Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I have zero patience for people who, who hit kids. So zero patient for, for corporal punishment. As a teacher, I've seen what it does to them and it's disgusting. I don't care if it's just a spanking, right? So there's, there's, that, there's that opinion as well. Now, I don't yeah. have kids. So I don't really, I don't really have um, a take on this, if you will. But Christine is, as someone who, who went through, you know, this this type of of punishment, or well, let me let me rephrase that. You didn't really go through it. Uh, you, uh, you enforced it. this type of yeah. this type of punishment, right? Um, mm -hmm. What are, what are your thoughts on on spanking or, or corporal punishment or, or whatever you want to call it? Well, at the risk of making enemies, I, I'm all for it. I, I really, I really am. I, I'm, I'm totally against the way we did it. Mm -hmm. But I think that a little kid needs a little, a little spank from time to time, and you know, just to let them know. You know, it's sort of like a guidance type of thing, um, not like dogs, as Michael Pearl said. You know, like mm -hmm. train, training training. A child is like training a dog. I don't believe that. And I don't, I don't think I believe in training children. Mm. I just think that, you know, they need, they need to learn to live, take their place in the family. Like if, if a child is constantly throwing things across the room and, you know, really, and you've asked them a million times, please stop doing that. Well, mm -hmm. what, what do you do? I mean, I think it's, uh, it's probably more effective you know, to give them a warning, if, mm -hmm. if you don't stop doing that, you're going to get a spank. And then they have the choice. And so if they don't stop doing it, they get a spank, they don't like it. But using a rod to do that, I think is awful. 
I think mm-hmm. it's horrible. And the pearl style is child abuse, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. And I'm very ashamed to say that I use the pearl style. And if anybody ever came into our home, I don't know what would have happened. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not I'm not proud of that, not one little bit. But you know, my second husband that I'm with now. Uh, he and his ex, they spanked their children. No big deal. And, you know, like people from my generation, we spanked our kids, but not the way we were told to do it in ATI. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, a, a spanking, a, a, a little spanking is a lot more effective, I think, than putting a child alone in the room as a punishment because you didn't want to spank. You put the kid alone in the room for an hour or two. So all they do is they just get mad and, and, and you know, it, just give a spank and, be, and let it be done and over with. And I'm sure there'll be lots of comments that will diss me for saying that. <laughs> but um, I was spanked and um, I love my parents all to pieces. And, you know, like I said, my present husband spanked his kids and mm-hmm. There was never any doubt in my mind, like even before the cult, that when I had kids, they would get spanked. And, you know, to me, if you love them and you give a spank or two, you shouldn't have to be doing it all the time. Right. You shouldn't have to be spanking uh, a young person at 16 years old. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> they, they should learn. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to break their spirit or their will mm-hmm. because... You know, I remember a little story. I'm going on a tangent here, but I, I do remember my one of my kids was um, he's brilliant. His IQ is off off the, the, the charts. And anyway, he's, he's a musician. And so anyway, um, he was always very rambunctious, loud, just running around, twirling around, totally out of control all the time. And I'd always say to him, you have to sit down. You have to do this. Stop doing that, you know, because it was just so disruptive. And um, my father-in-law said to me one time, he said, Christine, leave him alone. You're going to break his spirit. This is who he is. He's full of enthusiasm and joy and life. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, you know what? You're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. And I stopped. Yes. I stopped trying to mold him into what I thought he should be. Mm-hmm. And he and I have talked about that. And, you know, I, I just love his difference. He's different than, mm-hmm. than the other two. And probably because he's an artsy person and, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was good. And, and I think that's an important point that you made there, Christine, that you should never try to, to break a child's will or spirit. That's something that was pounded into us in the cult, right? Yeah. That breaking a child's will, breaking their spirit was actually a good thing. And they had programs and and facilities and seminars and conferences about all of that and to facilitate the breaking of that will and spirit. And, And we know that that is not the right way to do things. Yeah. That's, that shouldn't, they're not, they're not a horse. You're not trying to, to train. Uh, a stallion here. I mean, it's just insane. That marks um, people. That marks people for life when when that kind of thing happens. It's, but you know, it's not just the kids who got broken like that. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was broken, 
And, you know, when am I ever going to get over it? Never. And, you know, I've gotten over parts of it, but, um, you know, I remember one day we had, uh, when we were still going to an actual church, we had a pastor come with his wife to, uh, for supper. Mm -hmm. And so he never said anything until after, um, a couple of years later when my ex and I had split up and I went crying to him. Oh my God, you know, like, look what happened to my life and my ex is having a wonderful time and look at me, I'm picking up the pieces, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he said, we, when, when him and his wife had come to our house back then for a meal, he said, uh, you know, when they drove away, they were saying to each other, you're a really nice family, but, um, you know, Christine really looks like she's not able to be herself. And so he was telling me this after the divorce and all that. And he said, we noticed that every single time that you opened your mouth to speak, and I mean, I, I talk, you can see that I'm talking, but I never <laughs> used to talk. I never used to talk so terribly much back then. And You're so, fine. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but but they noticed, he, and, and this is what he told me. He said, we noticed that every time you said anything, like whether it was to him or his wife or to one of the kids, I looked at my husband first mm -hmm. as if for approval. And I didn't even know I was doing it. Right. But it's not, it's not one of those Michelle Duggar looks. It wasn't mm -hmm. an adoring look. It was like, is this okay? that kind yep. of look because right. I was always afraid I was wrong. So, you know, when you talk about breaking children's spirits, I think that wives and moms, their spirits were broken too. My spirit was so broken when, you know, when I, when I came out of all that, you know, I think I mentioned to you that I, I made a full-time job of finding another husband because I felt worthless without one. Mm -hmm. How bad is that? You yep. know, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's but but that was that was the environment that that was the culture. Yeah. And and I wanted to I wanted to stop for a second here um, and, and just just address something really quick. Um, obviously, there's going to be very strong differences of opinion on how to properly or appropriately punish children. Right. And, and I am all for the difference of opinion. I'm totally OK with that. I encourage that. I think we need to share um, these mm -hmm. ideas. I think we need to share our opinions on this stuff. Um, uh, Brand, Bryce, you're going to have to remind me how to pronounce ballet tomain, ballet tomain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely appreciate and respect your opinion on this. One of the things that I, uh, absolutely will not tolerate is name calling, uh, Ooh. name calling and, uh, and bashing, um, like, uh, another user that has now been banned was doing, have uh, I been bashed? <laughs> you you got bashed a little bit christine uh but yeah that i i just i won't tolerate that um no. and, and so just you, you know as an fyi absolutely want to promote different ideas discourse discussion around this mm -hmm. kind of stuff and these are difficult subjects to to talk about and i don't think anyone has it fully figured out um no. but i mean i could have lied and said um Oh no, spanking is bad. Sure. You should never lay a hand on You're your just children. sharing your opinion on this. Well, that's that's my opinion. And yeah. <clears throat> I'm entitled to it. Abs another absolutely. Way, another way to, to look at this is one could say not spanking children as a form of discipline is 
such a new concept. Yeah. Because if you go all like if you just start from the mid 2000s and go back to the end of time, mm-hmm. I guarantee you they have been beating children this whole time. It's just yeah. it is now in the, you know, way olden days or whatever. I mean, it's life or death and they don't have time for children not getting up and going and milking the cows and I'm not excusing, I'm just saying, you know, times have changed. But, you know, I'm I'm watching this happen. My niece and nephew are not spanked. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're not. And you know what? It's the harder choice. It's <laughs> really hard. My nephew is so freaking smart. He's like, you know, he's coming up to, to almost 10 now and he's become extremely literal. <laughs> Children, they just become super literal. It's like, do not put that glass of milk on the table. And like 30 minutes later, I told you not to put the glass on the table. You said glass of milk. This is a glass of water. And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) here we go. Okay. (laughs) And so what I, what I like to do in his presence is I like when they're trying to tell them to, to do something or stop something and they'll say something very, very vague. I will then repeat it in extreme literation do yeah, not right, take yeah. your feet and put them on the cushion of the couch of which you is sitting now and <laughs> jump up into the air and land upon the floor which has a rug on it with carpet <laughs> which he lo- he laughs but he doesn't do it but so i you know it's yeah. very hard to do i i don't i don't actually remember what their rules on spanking i know yeah. that if it's done it's so rare that i don't yeah. remember i've never seen it yeah. And, and it's just, it's just, they, and they, I don't think they do it. You know, it's one of those things that we came out of this, this uh, concept that you yeah. definitely beat your children, spank your children. Um, yeah. And how do you learn to discipline your children to, I don't want to use the word train, guide, to guide mm-hmm. your children, <laughs> you know, like, hey, we're in a society, we're in a family group, we all live here together we can't just take somebody else's food or we can't steal candy or we can't hold the glass of milk and jump on the couch. You know, we have, well, and, and so I I've think, seen them explain it. Like, like they yeah. sit down and be like, this is why you can't do that. This is what happens when you do that. You could hurt your sister, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and helping them understand, giving them that explanation. Right. But, but I also think it's important to remember that uh, spanking was not just part of the IBLP cult. It wasn't just part of fundamental Christianity. It wasn't just part of Christianity. Um, This this is something that exists in society at large. Right. Uh, So yes, there are going to be a lot of different opinions. I just wanted to, you know, address that and and make sure everyone understood that I, I appreciate and respect your opinion. Uh, I appreciate and respect Christine's opinion, Bryce's opinion, even though he doesn't have kids and neither do I. So we really don't have much of a say in this, right? Any more than Bill Gothard did. uh, Because he was never married or had, and he didn't have any kids. Um, You know, so absolutely encourage the discourse, uh, very much discourage any kind of bullying or name calling. Oh, Uh, no, you you have to be respectful. And, you know, I was going to say, I think that um, if, if you can raise your children to be decent adults who can support themselves and 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 be respectful to others and if there was a a spanking or some kind of discipline along the way but if you've come through it all and your children have come through it all and they love you and respect you 
and they think, you know, uh, the sun shines on your head, I think you did something right. You know, like as parents, I don't think that we're perfect. I never ever said I was, but you know, you parenthood is something that however you get through it, you did really well, you know? <laughs> and well, if you're still speaking with your children, yeah. then, yes. if yeah. you have a good relationship with your win. kids, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Because yeah. we're all just kind of figuring this out as we go, you know? Exactly. Um, I'm exactly. so glad I don't have kids because I know how miserably I probably would have failed them. Uh, I wanted to get to a couple other questions here. Um, that, uh, that, that folks submitted earlier in the chat. Um, this, this one I think is, is, uh, really poignant. How many women really get out of this cult? Many of the survivors that optimism is a force multiplier. Uh, many of the survivors that this person knows, uh, say they've gotten past the teachings, but they're still wholly dependent on husbands financially, uh, were they to become widowed. Um, and, and I think this is, you know, such an interesting concept, right? Um, because one of the missions, I think, of IBLP was to create weak women. Uh, you have to be dependent on your authority so that they can control you absolutely. Um, so, Christine, I would, I'd love to hear how, how you kind of made that adjust because you said you bought a, a you bought a little house, uh, and you were able yeah. to to provide for yourself and your family after, after you, uh, you left your ex-husband. Okay. Well, um, I mean, in the, in the division of assets, mm -hmm. I got my half, right. And so, um, he wanted to keep the house because his clinic was in it. So we got the house appraised and he had to give me half. Mm -hmm. So, Effectively, he had to remortgage the house in order to keep his clinic. Um, because I hadn't worked, I was, I was already 50 when this happened. Mm. Um, because I hadn't worked all through, like outside the home, um, I was entitled to spousal support. So mm. that's how I managed to buy a house. And I mean, we had a very big house. It was, I don't know, over 3,000 square feet. Is that big? Think, yeah. I think that's big. Yeah, it's pretty large. And yeah, so, uh -huh. and and I bought like a little, a little house, you know, on a little street, like a cookie cutter house type of thing. But I had gotten enough in my settlement, basically, to pay cash for the house that that I had. But also during the whole duration of of uh, of my first marriage. Um, my husband wasn't that great at finances. And mm. so he just turned it all over to me. So the stress of spending, you know, on things that maybe we could or couldn't afford or things that the clinic could or couldn't afford, it, it kind of fell on my shoulders. Mm. But I managed it very well. And so I think he was really glad of that because after we split up, um, I think he had a, a little rough time with mm. with his finances and you know it it didn't work out so so for me i wasn't i wasn't financially helpless mm. i had a university degree i had been a school teacher i got what it, what i was entitled to in in the divorce which you know i was going to end up in trouble before too long you know financially cuz i couldn't work i could not work 
because I, w- I was so traumatized. I was so depressed. Mm. I spent my days staring out the window crying. Like I just, I, I wasn't fit to work. And, you know, eventually the last year before I moved to Nova Scotia, I got a job at a lavender farm. And, you know, it, it, it was just, it was just a minimum wage job. I would never have paid the bills with it, but it was so peaceful and so nice. And I realized, okay, with this little bit of savings and this little bit of income, I think I'm going to be okay type of thing, you know, and, and eventually I'll sell the house and whatever. But, you know, um, yeah, so financially and, and, you know, even since then, like now I'm in my second marriage and, you know, second marriages are, he got three kids, I got three kids, you know, so we, we kind of keep things separate because we each brought some things, you know, into, sure. into the marriage. And, you know, I don't think I have, I've ever made a bad financial decision. And that's impressive. <laughs> I think a lot of because I've made some doozies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know something, I I have to say that you know a lot of the financial uh, teachings of the seminars, mm. I still I, I thought they were great because staying out of like, debt, controlling yeah. your spending, having your budget, sure. Yeah. 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 And I mean, Honestly, I, I taught them to my kids and they yeah. do them too. And yeah, that, that was my favorite. Actually, if they were like, oh, we're going to watch the financial freedom seminar with Jim Sammons. I'm like, sweet. He's, he's a great storyteller. Oh, I, know, love Jim I, I loved his stories. I was like, sweet Jim Sammons. Let's yeah. bring it on. That's a good seminar. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had some financial difficulties just, and, and I actually had a, okay financial background like my grandfather was was really good and yeah and, but i still got into the got into the hole several times and i'm mm. next year march the last mm. loan will be paid off and i will be uh, mostly financially free if we don't count the car payment but yeah it's, it's it just takes you. some time to yeah i've dug good out of the hole you. twice and i'm, I'm oh. very much making sure this is the last time i ever get in the hole well, and I know that yeah. question was was about you know a, a a woman that is financially dependent on her husband, right? Because that is how this cult is designed. Um, that's what the question was about. But in reality, it's it's a much larger question, it right? Is. Because it, you know, for for folks like like Bryce, and, and and we talked about this, right? Coming out of you know working at a training center for how many years total, Bryce? Like six. <gasps> Six uh, years total that you... for, for total, really two years of oh, sitting one year in Australia. Okay. Got it. And, and, and you, then you had some on and off at other places, right? But, um, well, I but for women, yeah. if I, if I yeah. could just say, you know, for, for women though, like I have a friend, not, not in ATI or anything, but she found out that her husband was doing some things that he shouldn't be doing. And I said to her, Hmm, do you have a, a credit card? No. Do you have your own bank account? No. I said, I think it would be a good thing for you to get that right now, because Mm. if things fall apart, you have no credit, no credit rating, no credit card. You can't get anything. And, you know, she took that right to heart. 
And because mm -hmm. I never had anything in my own name while I was married to my first husband. But it wasn't that hard because during the years that we were married, um, I was I was on his payroll on paper. Yeah. Yeah. So I received, I actually received a salary. Therefore, because I had received a salary, I was el eligible to get a credit card in my own name. Mm. But my friend was not. Yeah. And I said, you do whatever you have to do to get a credit card and open a bank account and put money in it because that's your security. Mm. And, and a and, lot of, a lot of kids is. coming out of this cult too, Christine, it's, it, it's kind of a similar concept, right? Where, yeah. you, you know, you were encouraged to start your own business, have a family business, have a home business, right? You don't need to go get a corporate job. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to do any of that uh, because you're going to have this sustainable business mowing lawns for the rest <laughs> of your life, right? Um, and it just doesn't work that way. No. And it doesn't work that way all the time. Sometimes it does. And, and that's a great thing, right? Uh, but a lot of times you had these, these young adults coming out of ATI with zero financial prowess. Right. All yeah. they really knew how to do was budget. Don't go into debt. Those two things. Yeah. They didn't get the credit cards. They didn't know about credit scores, how to build your credit score. They, they knew nothing about any of that. Yeah. And so you've you've got this uh, this 20 something year old kid uh, that's never really experienced the real world, has no financial knowledge whatsoever. That's right. And they just get thrown into the mix. Right. And, yeah. and I know it took me it took me a, a little bit to figure out uh, how to swim. Right. Because yeah. and there were a couple of yeah. times that I sank right momentarily. Yeah. Fortunately, I was able to, you know, paddle my way out. But, uh, yeah. it, you know, and, and the other fortunate thing for me is my dad was very um, insistent on college education yeah. uh, and, and having having a job. Yeah. Um, you know, but not not everyone's family was like that. No, uh, I have to say were afraid yeah. to to have their 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 children like I knew a family we were in Quebec um, they didn't want their 18 year old son to take evening course to learn to speak French hmm. because of the bad influences right that exposure to worldly but, evil people yeah but you can't get a job unless you speak French. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just you're kind of hamstrung in a situation oh, like that yeah yeah Bryce what were you what were you saying Bryce I have to say um my sister um was uh the major rebel in the family because she was very independent minded mm -hmm. and she's one of the most logical people I know and I swear as soon as she could get a driver's license she had one uh she found a job it was like secretary for another ati family um as soon as she could start working she was working and making her own money and next thing you know she bought her own car and um which was really great she took me she would take me to taco bell and it was a saturn her and that was our yeah, yeah it was a saturn it's a brand new well actually that wasn't the second car a nissan sentra okay uh Dr. Pepper Maroon, but, uh, yeah, we, and then she just, I don't think that my sister has ever dug herself in a financial hole. I really, she was always, and I think part of it is just my parents, you know, they've up and down fighting the credit cards and, and I wish I had, I, I remember telling myself, Oh, I'm not going to do that. I, I did it. 
I did. It happened. I, I know how it happened. I know why it happened. And I know why it happened the second time, but I'm not with that person. Anymore. <laughs> um, but my sister just was very smart and savvy and just was like, I'm not getting into a position like this. Uh, you know, like I've seen the struggle. It's a huge and it's it's always in my brain. Like now that I'm out of the hole, I never, ever want to be sitting there staring at my bank account again. And I see a lot of stories yeah. of, of people in these Facebook groups that I'm in. And I just, it breaks my heart. Like they just, they didn't know. They don't yeah. know what they're, what they're they don't doing. have the education or the knowledge because you know, those financial yeah. seminars are good. Uh, there, there's a lot of good principles within those yeah. financial seminars. I should say, I shouldn't say the financial seminars are good. I think they're still rooted in poison, right? But there's a lot of good principles in those financial seminars about not going into debt. And, and budgeting and, and you know all that good stuff but it doesn't teach you about your credit score how important that is that you need to have a credit card so you can build your credit score that you have to have some debt so that if you need to buy a house at some point a banker can see that oh yeah uh they they are able to handle this mortgage right um and, and that's just not stuff that we learned about in the cult uh and, and once again i really do believe it was just another aspect of control yeah would you believe that we bought our house? Like when my first husband and I, we bought our house and we paid cash for it. Wow. That's we impressive. Paid cash, we paid cash for our house. Wow. No, nobody would ever have believed it. I don't know anybody else who ever did it. But it's just, it just shows you how much we took to heart mm -hmm. the principles. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be done, but not, yeah. not by normal people. And I don't think we were normal by any means, you know, but. Uh, well, Christine, I really appreciate uh, your time this evening. Um, thank you for, for answering some of these questions and, and talking to us a little bit more. Thank you to everyone that joined us on the live stream in the live chat. Thank you for all the questions that came through. I'm sorry if we didn't have time to, to get to some of your questions. Um, the easiest way to guarantee to have your comment answered or highlighted is to send it with a super chat. Uh, so just keep that in mind for future live streams. Uh, Bryce, thank you for being here as well as always. Really appreciate it. And um, we will be back with more about the shiny happy people cult. But I did want to tease something really quick because uh, Christine talked about the Catholic Bible and how there were some books in the Catholic Bible that are not included in the traditional born again Bible. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And Bryce and I are going to be talking to uh, a lady about this very subject uh, in an upcoming podcast that I am extremely excited about um, wow. all about the lost books of the Bible. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a problem with even us discussing it. But once again, this, these conversations, in my opinion, are necessary to have. Um, Christine, I've, uh, I've got all of your, your social media information in the description uh, for this live stream. If y'all could please uh, like and subscribe uh, from this live stream, from this episode, uh, we would appreciate it so much. Go and follow uh, Christine on her social media as well. And be sure to check out her book, Behind the Dress on Amazon. Christine, any uh, any final words? No, I think we're good. Um, I, I've really enjoyed these chats. This this one was a lot more relaxing than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting back. Before a little more I free form. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we just appreciate you so much, yeah. Christine. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, thank you for sharing your opinions and, and being so honest and direct, um, even when it might not be the most popular opinion. 
Um, those, those are, uh, those are the thoughts that, that I appreciate the most. Um, Bryce, anything, any, any final words from you, sir? Uh, again, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody that went out and bought the book and or read you. it before. And we're very, you know, excited to, to, you know, be, have a chance to chat. So that's, that's excellent. Thank and we you will so much. This has been great. Thank you, Christine. And we yeah. will see y'all again very soon. We love you so much. Have a great night. Cheers. Bye-bye.